Good morning. Welcome again to Prairie View Christian Church. Thanks for joining us here in the room and for those online as well. Well, We're in week three of our Problematic Proverbs sermon series, examining some common sayings of cultural wisdom which may or may not be useful to believers in Jesus. The first two were YOLO, short for you only live once. And the Lord helps those who help themselves. Now, those two were philosophical, broad outlooks on life. They're meant to be somewhat general assessments of how the world tends to work. But today's example is much more practical. It's a down-to-earth piece of wisdom that you can put into practice on a daily basis. It's one that I heard quite a bit When I was growing up, and even though our kids apparently did not, maybe you heard it as well. Today's proverb is this. If you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. So open up to James chapter 3. We'll be in a few other passages as well, but that's one of the most important ones that we'll read. Feel free to follow along in your own Bible at home or on the screen But before we do any further reading, studying, talking, let's start with prayer. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for this time that we have together. Uh, Thank you that we can worship you here in person, uh, so many of us. But Lord, thank you that there are people in other places worshiping you as well. Whether they're in other churches, whether they're in other countries, uh, whether they're some of our own people worshiping you in other places, uh, even other states. Uh, Lord, thank you that we have the opportunity to worship you today. And I pray that our worship would be honoring to you, that our time together this morning would be beneficial for us, uh, especially today as we think about some of the really practical outworkings uh, of how to live as your people, how to function as your people in this world, how to speak uh, as your people in this world. Lord, I pray that our words today here in this church service would be honoring to you and beneficial for each other. And I pray that our words elsewhere would be honoring to you as well. And thank you most of all for your son, Jesus, uh, the one who came and lived and died and rose and ascended and one day will return. Uh, Lord, help us live as your people now until we wait for Christ to come back. We love you. We honor you. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. It's difficult to determine where this saying really came from, because it's been so often used by so many people in so many variations that it kind of just became part of our societal lexicon with no real definitive origin. Now, there's certainly nothing wrong with wanting to be nice. Especially if we consider the opposite of nice to be mean. I mean, who wants to be known for being mean? Besides Pittsburgh Steeler great Joe Green. However, I'd suggest that there is a better goal for followers of Jesus than just being nice. Perhaps a better aspiration for us Christians is to be kind. Now, we'll come back to the difference between being nice and being kind in just a moment. 
But for now, what are some of the positives of this saying? If you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. Well, first, this saying rightly acknowledges that words have real power. There are two bad extremes in our day and age when it comes to the power of words. First, we may be tempted to underestimate their power. We say things like, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. But we know that's not true. Words may not physically harm you the way a stick or a stone could. But we all understand that words have real power that can cause real pain. The second bad extreme is the opposite end of that spectrum. The temptation to overestimate the power of words. You may have recently heard the saying that words are violence. An idea that is well-intentioned, but can also be used to curb the common good idea of freedom of speech. But let's be real. While words can cause great harm, an insult, a slight, or even a false accusation is not as violent as getting hit with a stick or a stone. So while one extreme might underestimate the power of words, the other overestimates it. And the truth is somewhere in the middle. Words really do have power. And the saying that we're studying today, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all, correctly acknowledges that. Biblical authors affirm the idea that words have power. When you think about it, two of the Ten Commandments revolve around words. The first, taking the Lord's name in vain. And the second, bearing false witness against your neighbor. To take the Lord's name in vain with our actions or with our words means that we have brought the holy and one true God's reputation into disrepute through what we have done or through what we have said. The other, bearing false witness against your neighbor, is an act of slander that can lead to injustice. Now, in Scripture, we see that words can be powerful in good ways. Proverbs chapter 15, verses 1 and 2. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge. But the mouths of fools pour out folly. Words have the power to bring about peace in the midst of conflict. They can spread knowledge or they can spread foolishness. Proverbs 16 verse 24 says, Gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. Along similar lines, Proverbs 25, verse 11, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. In Romans 10, the Apostle Paul says that faith comes by hearing. Hearing what? Hearing the gospel. And what's the primary way that God presents the gospel, at least in Romans 10? Preaching. And what is a sermon made of? 
A sermon is made of words. Words can have power in good ways. As Pastor Zach read a few minutes ago, Ephesians 4, verse 29, Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Think about that for a minute. Our words can show God's grace to those around us. I've experienced that on a daily basis this year as I flip pages on a calendar that many of you contributed words to. Our words can be powerful in good, helpful, encouraging, God-honoring, and grace-giving ways. But Scripture also warns us that words can be powerful in bad ways. If you look down and read James chapter 3, starting in verse 1. James says there, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness, for we all stumble in many ways. And if someone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits into the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and sea creature, can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth water from the same opening, both fresh and salt? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives, or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. So teachers in the church, those who make their living, those who fulfill their calling through standing on a stage and speaking, we better take our words seriously. Because we can sometimes, unintentionally, and often quite easily, lead people astray. But for every Christian, whether you're a teacher, a pastor, an elder, whatever you are, while our tongues may be small and our words may seem insignificant to us, they can be as catastrophic as a forest fire, as unruly as a wild animal, and as deadly as poison. We can mistreat those made in the likeness of God with our words. 
Our words can be destructive. And the proverb that we're studying today rightly acknowledges that. But then on top of that, there's also wisdom in this saying. If you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. There's wisdom there when it comes to knowing when and when not to speak. You know, this may be hard for us to believe in the age of social media, but we don't have to say every thought that enters our brains. We don't have to air every bit of dirty laundry. We don't have to have an opinion or stance on every controversy and every outrage. Sometimes the best thing we can do is not say anything at all. Especially if we have no credibility with our hearers, are unqualified to speak with authority, or if there's a 99.9% chance that our words will only make things worse. There's a passage in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 26, verses 4 and 5, that sometimes seems to be contradictory. Verse 4, answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. Okay, seems simple enough. Verse 5, answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. So wait a minute. Do I answer a fool or do I not answer a fool? Proverbs 26 seems to say that you should do both. Which one is it? Well, the answer is it depends. Sometimes you should answer a fool. Sometimes you should speak up. And sometimes you shouldn't. It depends on the person. Depends on the situation. Depends on the words that have to be said. It's up to us as God's people to discern what the right course of action is. When to speak and when not to speak. Failing to understand the power of words or being loose with our words ultimately can invite God's judgment upon us. Jesus says this about words in Matthew chapter 5 starting in verse 21. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Jesus continues, Matthew chapter 12 starting in verse 33, speaking to the religious leaders. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified. And by your words you will be condemned. While we all occasionally slip up, 
long after we become followers of Jesus. We all say something rash, say something unfair, say something untrue, say something we have to take back or apologize for. The truth is that the words of our mouths can say a great deal about the state of our hearts. And the words of our mouths can help or harm our efforts to share the gospel with those who do not believe. So there is absolutely some wisdom in this saying. If you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all. It acknowledges that words have power. Something we know to be true and the Bible affirms. It challenges us to think twice about what we say and whether or not we should say it. Again, biblical concepts. That is this problem. But... Like the others in the sermon series, this proverb can be problematic. So how might this phrase be used poorly? Well, first things first, the Bible is full of words that by our contemporary standards may not be considered nice. Take the Old Testament prophets. They were commanded by God to call out their fellow Israelites for their sin in no uncertain terms. Sometimes those words were graphic, shocking, and offensive. Not always nice. Or take the apostles in the book of Acts. Stephen being a particularly good example. At the end of his sermon in Acts chapter 7, Stephen calls his audience Stiff-necked people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, who always resist the Holy Spirit. That was not a nice thing to say to his fellow Jews, who then responded to Stephen by killing him with literal stones that broke his physical bones. Or you could take Jesus himself. We already saw him call the religious leaders a brood of vipers in Matthew 12. Well, in Matthew 23, Jesus calls them hypocrites, children of hell, blind guides, fools, and whitewashed tombs. None of those words are nice in the way that we often use that term. Sometimes we define niceness as just a kind of shallow, superficial politeness. But as not nice as all those words sounded from the prophets, from Stephen, even from Jesus, all those words we just read were kind. They were kind in the sense that they sought the good of those who heard them. They weren't just trying to be polite. The Old Testament prophets' not-nice words were ultimately spoken to call God's people to repent for their good. After saying those not-nice words at the end of his sermon, Stephen's final words were seeking God's mercy for those who were killing him. Jesus' not-nice words were meant to expose the religious leaders as in desperate need of God's grace and to prevent others from being led astray by them. God's people can't always be nice with our words, but we do always strive to be kind with our words, to seek the good of those we are speaking to in this life and the next.
Today, followers of Jesus are sometimes called to say things that our culture may not consider nice. We're honest about sin, even when we are pressured to ignore, tolerate, or celebrate actions that will lead to God's judgment. At times, that may offend people. It may hurt feelings. We may be accused of not being nice. But the truth is that one of the most not nice, unkind things we Christians could ever do is sit back and silently watch as the world around us is seduced by that which leads to eternal separation from God. That would be worse than standing on a dock, watching someone drown, but refusing to throw the life preserver. It's hard to think of something more not nice, more unkind, even more cruel than failing to be honest about sin with a world that desperately needs to be saved from it. Now, that being said, we do not do this like a bull in a china shop. We do it with wisdom, with grace, with care. The Apostle Paul communicates that well in Colossians chapter 4, starting in verse 5. He says, Walk in wisdom toward outsiders, making the best use of the time. Let your speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how you ought to answer each person. We confront our culture with not nice words, with kindness, seeking their good, with wisdom, knowing when to say it, when not to say it, and whether or not we're the person to say it. We do it with wise strategy. We do it with grace. Likewise, followers of Jesus are sometimes called to say things within the church that some may not consider nice. Holding a brother or sister in Christ accountable for sin is not pleasant. It feels mean. It doesn't feel nice. But it's kind. It's godly. It's one of the ways God uses us to challenge, encourage, and mature each other. Tough conversations have to happen within the church. It's the only way to settle disputes, achieve reconciliation, and see forgiveness amongst the children of God. So if we neglect these conversations out of cowardice, or we justify avoiding them because it's just so much easier to be nice, then we disobey God and we fail our fellow believers. So like all the others in this sermon series, the proverb... If you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all, has both positives and negatives. Words are powerful in good ways and in bad. And we should practice discernment about what we say, when we say it, and how we say it. In that way, this proverb might be helpful. But sometimes we have to say things that aren't nice, even when we'd rather say nothing at all. We have to say things that are kind, even if they're difficult for someone to hear, both outside the church and inside the church. Now, as we close, a few quick words of practical advice on this. Number one, a good way to practice discernment with our words 
is to remember who we're speaking to and who we're speaking about. When it comes to fellow believers, we are speaking to brothers and sisters, siblings for whom Christ died. When it comes to non-believers, we're speaking to people made in God's image with God-given dignity. Every person we will ever speak to in our entire lives, every person we will ever speak about in our entire lives, is either a child of God or a creation of God. That goes for the person in front of you. That goes for the person whose voice is on the other end of the line. The person who left a nasty Facebook comment, and it's hard for you to remember that they are an actual person because you're sitting behind a screen. It goes for the celebrity you see on the news. It goes for the politician you didn't vote for. That person may be a fellow child of God if they're a believer. And at the very least, they are a creation of God. So remember that as you speak to them. Remember that as you speak about them. Another good habit as we consider our words is to avoid extremes. Like we said, we don't want to be cowards, failing to speak up when we should because we would rather be nice. But we also don't want to be shock jocks, eager to pick fights, start confrontations, or fall too in love with our own supposed prophetic voices. Pray. Think. Ask God to give you courage when you should speak and humility to know when you shouldn't. Yes, it's true that Jesus said some not nice things. But Jesus is the sinless son of God whose words were always true, always appropriate, and always kind, even when they didn't sound nice. Should we strive to follow in Jesus' footsteps? Yes. But we should also remember that we are not Jesus. We make errors. We may say something out of turn. We may make mistakes when it comes to our speaking. And so we should be careful. Now, perhaps the hardest words in the Bible apply not just to stubborn Israelites or Stephen's killers or the religious leaders who oppose Jesus. They apply to all of us. Last week, we read Romans chapter 5, verses 6 through 8. And in that passage, Paul describes humanity, all of us, as weak, ungodly, sinners. He goes on to say that we were once enemies of God who deserved wrath. To our modern ears, those words do not sound very nice. But those words are kind. They're kind because they tell us the truth about who we are. They're kind because they light the way to Jesus, the only one who can save us from ourselves. So thank God that he did not sit back and say nothing at all. Because he has spoken, we believe. Because he has spoken, we are saved. And because we are saved, may we be wise with our words both for the love of our neighbors and for the glory of God.
Let's pray. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for challenging passages of your word that make us think twice about how we use our words. Reading James chapter 3 is convicting because it makes us all realize just how imperfect we are. That even as we are justified by faith, even as our sins are forgiven, even as we are your children and we have no doubt about that, we also have such a long way to go in our growth and our maturity and our sanctification. And so, Lord, we ask that you sanctify us, that by your Spirit's power and with the guidance of your word, with passages like those we read today, that we would come to reflect you more in what we say and in what we do. That being justified and forgiven people, that we would live as justified and forgiven people. You've declared us righteous, and so, Lord, help us to actually be righteous. And that includes the words of our mouths. I pray that our words would be life-giving in this world. I pray that our words would be kind, even if they don't always sound nice to every ear. I pray that you would give us the courage to speak up when we need to, and the wisdom and the humility to know when we shouldn't. What we should say, what we shouldn't say, knowing when to speak and when not to speak. And Lord, again, may this all be for your glory, for the love of our neighbors. I pray that our words would not in any way whatsoever profane your name, but would rather lift up your name, and that our words would direct people to you rather than scaring them away. Or give us wisdom in what we say and how we say it for your glory. We ask this all in Christ's name. Amen.